Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Visit us online at pathtozion.com. We are in the middle of a series, Are There Any Righteous? And what we're talking about is Genesis chapter 18 and 19 primarily. And we're about to move into talking about Sodom specifically, moving into Genesis chapter 19, a tiny bit of covering what we have already looked at. Um, We talked about how interesting it is that Yahweh God actually, by his own initiative, sought out Abraham and invited him into his going down to assess the people of Sodom. He said by his own volition, hmm, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? So he goes down, he assesses the people, and he and Abraham in the latter part of chapter 18 in Genesis have this ongoing dialogue back and forth, basically saying, ah, what are you going to do, God? Please don't wipe out these people. Surely there are some righteous men here, 50, 40, 30, 20. And we talked about how God invited Abraham into a scenario that really in our own understanding, in our own limited intellect, we say, why in the world would God bother to do that? Why didn't he just send angels down to this city and drop a nuclear bomb and get out of town? Why would God do this? We have to ask these questions. Why? Not just so that we know history, but that's so we know God. That we know him today, that we know his heart, we know what he wants to do in the cities and nations and peoples of our hour right here in 2020 when the church of our age wants to just bring down the wrathful, judgmental hammer of God. We just want to, we have been convinced, man, I've never known the church to be so volatile and ready to drop the absolute nuclear bomb judgment of the Father upon nations. It's so strange to me. And not just nations, but like our neighbors. Man, we want our neighbors, our evil, vile, hedonistic, pagan neighbors to just get destroyed by the righteous judgment of God. It's so weird. I mean, man, this 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 nation, and I know we have listeners all over the world, but like this nation that I live in, the not-so-United States of America, man, brothers hating brother. It is prophecy unfolding right here, right now. You do know that your neighbor is your brother. You do know that, right? You do know that these people that are in this nation that you hate and loathe and think that God should just, quote, expose their lying, demonic ways are your brothers and neighbors. We seem to have forgotten the heart of God. We've forgotten the heart of Abraham here from Genesis chapter 18, which is, oh God, spare all of the people, all of the people. And if you missed that in part one, man, that's one thing we've talked about. In two different verses in chapter 18, specifically in verse 26, Yahweh God says, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I will spare the entire place on their account. Man, and I'm telling you, we've been comparing this story with the account of Jonah. I'm telling you so clearly, church, listen to what I'm saying. Christian American patriotic church, do you want anyone spared other than yourself? 
Do you want a city spared? Do you want a Democratic Party spared? Do you want the lying, cheating, evil? Do you want anyone spared other than you and your household? Please ask that question. I'm serious. Sit down, close your eyes, turn off your television and all your crazy news, and ask your heart a question. Do you want to see God's mercy poured out upon humanity? Or do you only want his judgment? I'm seriously asking because I don't know. I don't know what in the world the the church of this hour wants. I feel like all they want is wrath and judgment. Now, not for us, of course. We're the good ones. They're liars. We're good. Oh my gosh, we're not going to get distracted down that road. I'm, I'm, I have deliberately set myself to not get drug into this patriotic mess of a nation that I am, oh boy, I'm a resident in it, but I'm not going to be of it. I'm just not. So there's this dialogue back and forth. We closed out uh, Genesis chapter 18. We're about to move into 19. And uh, man, there's some, there's a lot of really interesting things. Read this for yourself with like a posture of, of, of understanding. Don't just read it like a novel. The Bible's not a novel. <laughs> read it as if it's a spiritual book that's living and active, that's ready to just like transform your entire thinking. And so we go into verse 19, or sorry, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed down with his face to the ground. And he said, would you turn aside, please, and come to your servant's house and spend the night. Wash your feet that you may rise early and go your way. They say, no, we don't have time for all this stuff. But basically, Lot is inviting these angel, these angelic messengers to come into his house. They say no. He convinces them to come in, and they say yes. Now, man, I don't, I don't even know what to cover and what to lead out, leave out. He urges them strongly, so they come in. The, the, the men of, of, of Sodom surround the house, and they say, Hey, we know you got two men in there. Where are they? Bring them to us. And all we know that, man, we've heard about that in sermons since we were five, right? We know, oh boy, oh, let's paint a picture. Oh, vile, oh, vile, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, like, man, sermons and Christianity as a whole is so hyper-emotional to paint our own vantage point of something that, man, we, oh, we know, oh boy, we know this is a hot-button issue. Christian Americans hate homosexuals, so let's drive this point home. But this is such a minimal part of the people of Sodom. And we're going to talk about that too. And I talked about that back in the study. And man, I did stuff, I don't know, a year and a half ago talking about Lot's wife and Sodom and who the people of the city really were. You're going to have to go dig that out and find it. I can't even remember when or what title it was. But Lot goes and he shuts the door and he says, please don't act wickedly. Now some crazy stuff happens with, with Lot's daughter, with his daughters, and like my wife and I were even talking about that. So like if this is a homosexual issue, why in the world would Lot offer him his daughters? I mean, let's just have some grown man thinking here. There's a lot of dynamics going on. There's a lot more to it than just what we were taught in Sunday school. He didn't merely just... Anyway. All right, so... 
So let, let's talk about this too before we get too much further because I know I'm afraid I'm going to leave it out. Right before God leaves the, the little conversation he's having with Abraham, closing out Genesis chapter 18, they get to the number 10. Okay, now, now it's interesting that as soon as the, they get to the 10, Yahweh jets. He's out of there. And if we do mere math, okay, we had Lot. Can you do fingers like when you're teaching your children how to count? We have Lot. We have his wife. We have their two sons. We have two sons-in-law. And then we have four daughters. Okay, two of them are married and two are single. We have 10 people. Okay, so basically the, the scenario is set. Okay, maybe we found 10 righteous. Yes. Now we know that didn't go that way. So what's the problem here? No, they weren't righteous. They, the 10 in, in, their, in their fullness were not righteous. Now, how, how do we know that? Well, things didn't go well when Lot starts explaining what's going to happen to his family. And this is a point, man, I want to really make clear. Please pay attention. We're going to contrast. We've been contrasting Abraham and Jonah now for a little while. Now we're going to contrast Lot and Abraham. Okay? Abraham and Lot. Because we see Abraham, we, we kind of know just from previous texts how, how Abraham operates. How he is a household inclusion kind of guy. And, and, you know, even his servants and this and that and the other. He's, he, he's like, he's obedience and faithfulness to the full. Okay? He's, he's all inclusive. He gets it, not just his personal, experiential, what does this mean to me? He got that and some. He gets the household understanding. Now, we're going to compare him with Lot now. Lot apparently does not have any influence over his own household. And we don't have time to read all of the text, but we know that Lot goes to his sons-in-law and they laugh at him. They make fun of him. They mock him. They think he's crazy. We'll elaborate and just, I love, I love just kind of imaginatively thinking through the scenario. They're probably like, what are you talking about, you crazy man? Have you lost your mind? You know, we're fine here. We're probably successful. We're probably affluent here. Look at do you see these crops behind us? This is this is the favor of the gods. Okay? Do you remember Lot when you brought us here? Do you remember when we came here and we dwelled? When you chose this land? Hello, don't you remember you chose to come here and now you're saying this stuff's going to happen? Come on. Have you lost your mind? So Lot does not have influence over his house. And this too is a contrast, as we know, how Lot made the bad decision at the very outset to even dwell in Sodom. He was not a wise man. He made poor decisions. He didn't, he didn't think things through well according to the perspective of the father like Abraham did. And he didn't merely just choose to live amongst vile, heathen homosexuals in Sodom. Come on now. Again, let's drive this point home from Ezekiel chapter 16. You've heard this before, I'm sure. Behold, this was the iniquity of Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she help the poor and the needy. They were haughty. They committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Now listen and let's be hard. Can we be hard? I feel like I'm saying that every episode right now, but I'm going to do it anyway because there's nobody here to tell me no. <laughs> it's the beauty of recording. I am telling you 
America of 2020. This is you. This is us. I'll throw myself in there. Please, can you receive a hard word, church? I, again, I know that 99% of the people who will listen to this program are Christian, patriotic, American, Western mind thinkers. That's who we are. It's who we are. Evangelicals, which I am not a million miles, a million times over, I am not. But I know that's the broad category that I would even be seen as, as my, in my, in, in how people might brand me, because that's what we all do, right? Well, who are you, and what do you align yourself with, and who do you hang out with, and how do you vote? And we calculate who one another are. But listen to these these descriptions now that were told in Ezekiel of why God took Sodom away. Because again, it is not because they were vile homosexual people. This was the iniquity of Sodom. And again, Think of America 2020, and I mean, I don't mean like, well, divide America in half, those Americans, and then then there's we Americans, as if they are evil and we are righteous and perfect. They were prideful. They were full, they had fullness of bread. In other words, they're fat, they're gluttonous. They're they're beyond just satisfied, they're gluttons. An abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. They did not help the poor. They did not help the needy. They were haughty. They committed abominations before the Lord. And that's why Yahweh God took them away. Do we understand that? We are told that's why. By the word of God. Christian America, you better listen up because we also know it's prophesied in the scripture. I believe it's in Revelation saying it's going to be worse for many in the church one day within than for the people of Sodom. It's going to be harder. We have to, we had better listen to these warnings now because if all you want to do is blast these crazy prophetic words about the evil motives of the Democratic Party, then friends, you're going to be blinded. You're going to miss it and you're going to be led astray yourself. If you don't see that this nation fits this Ezekiel 16 criteria that was the same as we saw in Sodom. Comforts, lavish living, a successful city full of good, favorable things that cater to natural cravings and desires. That's basically the Christian American dream, friends. It's the American dream. It's the American way. Pride. How many? I mean, you see that on bumper stickers. American pride, the spirit of America. We're full. We're fat. We're oversatisfied. We're gluttonous. We're told in the scriptures that in the end of the age, the God that the there we will be serving the God of our bellies. That our gods will be our bellies, friend, our flesh, man. Idleness. Man is the church idol. And I don't mean, well, no, we're not. We're out picketing. We're going to Trump rally. I Man, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about idol in spiritual places, not just like, no, we wore our red clothes and our red hat and we shouted, no more lies. No, I'm not talking about that. You can do that and be idle. You can do that and be idle. Favor, wealth, abundance, 
success, worldly, natural, easy, temporal living. Friends, Sodom has come to America. We have to acknowledge that. So fast forward a bit to the two messengers. They arrive at Sodom and they're invited by lot to turn into the city and they come to his house. It's interesting to me as we talked, we talked briefly just moments ago about how I would say from my vantage point, Lot's house was not in order. I, again, he didn't have influence over his own family. His brothers-in-law thought he was ridiculous, mocked him, made fun of him. Now we could just blame them. Well, they were just disrespectful and didn't, well, maybe, probably, yes. But also apparently Lot did not demand much from them. Probably by his life, by his living, by his lifestyle, by the way he carried himself. I don't know. We're not told. But we do know they did not listen nor nor respect him. And when these angels came, I'm going to make this point maybe a little bit more clear. 19 verse 3. When when Lot pressed upon the, the angelic messengers greatly, they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And Lot made them a feast. And he baked unleavened bread and they ate it. Now, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know uh, in great depths Hebrew culture. I don't know, you know, man, what culture do we call it then? I mean, we're talking, man, we're talking ancient. But I think it was maybe strange that the man of the house, Lot, is cooking dinner and making unleavened bread for his guests. I don't know. I know ancient culture in measure. And I find it strange that Lot's wife is not on the scene here. She's she's apparently not there. She's not paying attention. She's not a a, a, a factor. We're not told about her. <laughs> um. Now now we know Lot's wife. Her her name is Adu in Jasher or Ado. I don't know even know how to pronounce it. It's only A D O. I think it's pre, uh, translated Edith in other places. But you only find it in the book of Jasher. It's not in the scriptures itself. She now she we know that she generally garners the majority of the attention in the account of Sodom. Other other than Christianity's fascination with judging homosexual behavior, of course. And understandably so. I mean, she's kind of a main figure. <laughs> um so let's fast forward to her. Maybe we can get this in two parts. Let's fast forward to Lot and his family being removed from the city so that the judgment can come. Just for the sake of time. We're going to move to 19, verse 15. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Iniquity. Judgment's coming. But he hesitated. Oh, and I've how many sermons have we heard? Don't hesitate, brother. When the word of the Lord comes, don't hesitate. Amen. Altar call. You know, I mean, that's where we just kind of hang out, don't we? We're just up here. Man, we're just, oh golly. Let's go a little bit further, shall we? Um, Lot hesitated. Of course, that's an issue. No kidding. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out. And they put him outside the city. And it came about when they had brought them out that one of the messengers said, Escape for your life. Okay, exclamation point. Run! Man, I talked about this in the previous teachings we've done on this. Run for your life. Do not look behind you. Don't stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or else you will be swept away. Oh, man. 
There's so much within this, I, but I can't rehash something I've already taught on in its entirety before. Incredibly, Lot immediately tries to bargain with the angels. He goes on, where are we? We just read uh, through 17. But Lot says, oh no, my lords. Your servant has found favor in your sight. And he's throwing, man, he's throwing God's deliverance back at them. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Golly, this is so applicable to this hour. It's, it's almost funny. Now, wait a minute. I found favor in your sight now. You brought me out here, so shouldn't I have the right to do what I want? Holy cow. Now, this reminds me of the Freedom and Liberty series from July of 2019. Go back and listen to the Freedom and Liberty series from July 2019, please. Christian America, hello. We want to bask in God's deliverance and salvation and say, hey, I'm saved, you know. Don't you know I'm, quote, in Jesus, man? I'm free. I can do what I want from here. And I'm telling you, this is so clear in this text of that is exactly what this is warning against. Because God, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's put the people of Sodom over to the side. God should have just said, you know what? Forget them talking about Lot and his family. Forget it. They won't go out. They won't leave. They won't listen to my instruction. They won't listen to my counsel. They won't do my commands. Forget them. Let them burn with the rest. But what happens, man? I've talked about this so many times before. Let's get this through our heads, right? The imagery and the, I mean, see this happening. These angelic messengers in the natural who look like men literally seize Lot and his family by the arm and physically remove them from Sodom. They remove them. They take them outside of the city gates and out away from the judgment that's coming to the city. This is incredibly amazing. We do not understand God's ways at all, friends. His mercy, his unending mercy and pursuing of us. How many times has God grabbed us by the arms and said, you stubborn, obstinate people, I'm going to have to drag you out of here. And friends, I'm telling you, Christian America, I'm afraid that's what it's going to take. I'm afraid that's what it's going to take. I would like to say God's already extended that out and already done that. You stubborn people. But because I'm slow to wrath and I'm slow to judgment towards you now, I'm going to drag you out of the city. In measure against your own will, I'm taking you out to at least give you a chance. To at least give you a possibility of escaping to the hills. Flee for your lives. Don't stop here. Don't look behind you. Get out. What a clear warning. Nothing gets any more clear than that. We have been told that already about what's to come in prophesied revelation. The end of the age. We know what's coming, yet we still today are as ignorant as Lot, and we do not heed the warning of the Lord and get out. Immediately, Lot tries to bargain with the angels. And here's the crazy thing, right? He's given permission. What in the world is going on? <laughs> What's going on here? They say, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, if you will. Go ahead and go down there. Go to where you want. Ignore the word of the Lord. Go to Zoar. 
He wants to go to Zoar instead of being obedient to the command of fleeing to the hills. Isn't that incredible? And we know Lot's wife was turned to a pillar of salt for turning around. Now, I just want to say this in case you've never heard me talk on this before and teach on this point to no end. Do you ever think about Lot's wife's circumstance? And most specifically, do you ever think about her heart? Her heart now. Her family, her home was back in Sodom. So if anything anything in you wants to be like, yeah, she got what she deserved. How dare, that's what I was taught my whole life. She deserved to be turned into a pillar of salt because she was a rebellious, disobedient daughter. And she needed to burn, man, wanting to go back there to that homosexual city. She just wanted to go back. You know what? She probably wanted to go back because her best friend was there. She wanted to go back because her kitchen was there. She wanted to go back because her daughters were there. She wanted to go back because her grandchildren were probably there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you think about that, or are you above that? Oh, well, I, I wouldn't have any problem leaving my home and my children and my grandbabies. If God called me out, I'd go, brother. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Are you kidding me? No. We're so arrogant. We're prideful. We're boastful. And guess what? Hey, I'm going to take you right back here. Ezekiel 16, full of pride, fat and full of bread, idle, selfish, haughty, I'm telling you, church, we've got to look hard at ourselves. This is us. We're not above this. We're not better than Lot's wife. We're not better than Lot. We're not, aside from the blood of Yeshua, Messiah, and the incredible invitation extended to us that none of us ever deserved, we too deserve nothing but God's judgment and wrath. My wife pointed out when we were talking about this, is we're going to steer this towards an ending. She pointed out how it's interesting that Lot couldn't convince his own family to flee. That is weird, right? He couldn't convince them. And why not? Because he himself, I don't think, was convinced because he had to be dragged out. And even when he was dragged out, he said, look, I don't want to go all the way up there to those mountains. Can I go down here to Zoar? Come on, please. But he convinces the angels to let him disobey and go down there. It's crazy. Zoar, it's worth mentioning, in Hebrew means insignificant, smallness. Now he doesn't stay there long. We're told he leaves out of fear. And the next stop, I mean, let's just use this prophetically, shall we? If you don't follow the instructions of Yahweh God and you choose your own way, You may choose what you think is right in your own eyes, but guess what? You're going to something insignificant and small. And you won't stay there long because you're going to be run out because of fear. And just like Lot and his family, guess where your next stop is going to be? This is in scripture. After they left Zoar, they went to dwell in a cave. Do we understand these biblical patterns? My last point. I've said this in other broadcasts. Have you ever placed yourself within the life of these people? Like Lot's wife, what she had to leave behind. She had angels in her house the night before, friend. Has that ever happened to you? (laughs) 
Has God ever pursued you enough to send angelic messengers to spend the night and eat dinner in your home and then physically drag you by the arm to leave? No, not me. Luke 17, Yeshua tells us to remember Lot's wife. Seems random, don't you think? Why? Maybe because we're no different. Maybe because we want to long for things in this natural life. And not just vile, evil, wretched, carnal, natural things, but maybe what we call good things. Maybe what we call good things. I will even say, now this isn't scripture or anything, this is my perspective and my opinion alone. What if it's Christian American patriotism? Oh, whoa, 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 oh gosh, Joel. You did it now. Oh, I'm out of here. Well, can you take it? Can you take a hard question? Can you put it before the Lord and fast and pray and plead with the Lord? Is this, could this be true, God? Is there any possibility this could be true that I, myself, and this nation is just like Sodom? Could we be ones who are just lavish, living, comfortable, successful, prideful, haughty, idle? Could this be our abomination, O oh God? And could I be desiring that so much that, God, I won't go where you're telling me to go because I like it here. I like Sodom. I love America. I love her. I'll die for her. Friend, I'm just saying, is that what the Father, Yahweh God Eternal, is saying? Or is he saying, hey, you got to go to the hills, man. You've got to escape. You've got to flee. These kingdoms of men, worldly patterns, worldly passions and lusts, temporal, natural. We talked about that in just episodes ago. Which kingdom do you live into, unto and within and for and according to? It's a YouTube uh, video. I don't know the name of it. It's natural kingdom or, or, or eternal kingdom, something like that. And we examine the scriptural understanding of what kingdom are we living for when we looked at biblical attributes that help us arrive at a, at a decision and an answer to that question. Let's reflect on some things we've talked about, and this one's going to be over with for today. Be someone who God can count on to carry out his will and righteousness. Be like Abraham. Abraham was deemed so righteous by faith in the eyes of the Father that God... <laughs> God himself said, you know what? Should I hide this from Abraham? Ah, guess what? I want to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. And he was invited into one of the biggest accounts in biblical history. Be quick to request God's mercy and his compassion. Don't be like Jonah. Don't be like Jonah, man. Don't be the angry prophet. Don't be the angry prophet, church of 2020. Be like a man of faith who begged and pleaded with God, find 50, Father, find 40. I'm dust and ashes. I'm nobody, God. In 18 verse 30, he says, Oh, Lord, oh, please don't be angry that I should speak to you, but could you even find 30? Humble, knowing his place, but yet crying out for the unrighteous to receive God's mercy, along with the righteous, the entirety of the people. Always remember Yahweh is desiring righteousness, but you have, to desi you have to deny your own desires and what you think is best in your own assessment because guess what? 
I kind of like this city. Lot, I like it here. I chose to live here, you know. This is perfect. This is awesome for me. I'm blessed and highly favored. Look at my new car, my new house, my awesome job, my education, my success, my church, my intellect, my full refrigerator. Hey, what blessing and favor is on this nation. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 16. Always remember that Yahweh God is making a way for people's deliverance, not just yours. Not just yours. When you're told what to do, do it. This is simple now. This is elementary. When you're told what to do, do it. And do it to completion. I have said this in several teachings throughout the years when I talk about um, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his family. The problem is they didn't keep going. Now, it's full of problems. I mean, they wouldn't want to go in the first place. They had to be dragged out like we've already talked about. But they could have kept going. So many people get saved, air quotes, and just don't keep going. Flee to the mountains, man. Flee to the mountains. Come out from among them. I said this the other day. Come out from among them and keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Why do things like getting rid of your television and not watching news and not watching movies and not listening to secular music and not listening to this and not watching that, why do these things matter? Because it is a coming out reality. Me and my family, we are set. We will serve the Lord and we are fleeing to the mountains. We're going to flee to the mountains today and we're going to flee further out to the mountains tomorrow. When you're told what to do, do it to completion. As I said in the last episode where we discussed this text, go and keep going. Too many have been brought out and do not keep moving out and moving up. I'm telling you, the mountains are not mere happenstance. Move out, come out of the city. Move out and move up, friends. It's time for us, number one, to make sure we're righteous and to cry out for God. To God, are there any righteous? Oh, great king, are there any righteous? And if there are, spare the land. Again, man, I feel that that's the crux of this that I didn't even really deliberately pursue. Spare the land in its entirety. Genesis chapter 18, verse 24. Will you also destroy and not spare the entire place for righteous ones? Do not be selfish, church of 2020. Get your head out of your own self. Get get your mind out of your own thinking. Self, 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 self. What about me? What about my rights? What about what I get? What about, here's the worst of all, what about what I deserve? You know what we deserve? Nothing. I deserve no good. Nothing. Period. The only reason I'm not on the outside looking in on every single good thing from the Father is because I was extended a gift from Himself in the form of His Son to become into His people, to be moved transported, transferred into his people. I have no good in myself. He is my everything. Friends, please soberly think on Genesis chapter 18 and 19 and just the few things we've talked about here in these two episodes. Please, please think about these things. 
These are not flippant matters, and these are intricately entwined with this hour. If I am sure of that, I'm holy cow. I'm sure this is what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. I don't know who's going to listen. Everybody wants to hear prophetic words right now. I, man, I don't well, Don't even get me started on all this prophetic nonsense of the hour. Everybody's so mad and telling, telling God what's going to happen. And oh my gosh, it makes me ill. May Yahweh's ways prevail. But it's only going to prevail if we are a people postured like our father Abraham. So let's find out, Lord. We're crying out, are there any righteous? Are there any righteous, Lord? Please be merciful. Please be our deliverer. We praise you. We thank you that you are slow to anger, slow to wrath, yet still perfectly righteous and holy. You've been listening to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online at pathtozion.com. Please share this. I mean, I beg this every time. If, again, if you think this is heresy, then, you know, gosh, why would you? But if you, this stirs you, I hear from people saying, brother, that's what the Lord's saying. Then, friend, please share it because I'm telling you, we've got to at least put one drop of water in this vast ocean of negativity and nonsense that the church is declaring from every corner of every street of this nation. Man, we've got to drop some truth out of the word of God that's saying, you know what? We're fat. We're comfortable. We're lazy. We're unrighteous. The house of God needs judgment and she needs cleaned up right here, right now. So please consider sharing this link. It's so easy. It would help us tremendously not help my budget. There isn't one. It would help us what? Declare the rediscovering of the ancient way, which is what? Being a people pleasing to the Father. Help us please. Send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to come to where you are, pray with you, whatever we could do to help you get from where you are to where you're headed. Thank you for listening. Path to Zion Podcast. Amen.